So you sent me a very nice picture a couple of days ago mm-hmm. of your your oldest standing on the doorstep with his little I'm going to first grade mm-hmm. sign. Mm-hmm. Is there a phrase for this? Because like I only know I don't know if people in the UK do this. I, I've only ever seen American people do this. But it's like you take a picture of your child and they're holding something, and it's like like um end of second grade or like you know i yeah, see yeah, friends yeah. doing on instagram and stuff is there like a phrase for this uh it's back, a back to school picture i mean that's back to school written, picture that's yeah. a good way of putting it yeah or end of school picture first day of first grade mm-hmm. yeah it's bananas Big list smile yeah yep yep uh yeah it's so declan uh his as of yesterday as we record started uh first grade which in and of itself is you know remarkable but it's particularly remarkable because this is the first time that he has been going to school in person, uh, really ever. Because you know, last year for kindergarten, he started the year virtually, as did everyone in in our county, which is you know how we organize our schools in Virginia. And he started the year the year in virtually, and then we elected to keep him virtual for the entirety of the year. So. Uh, we never had an opportunity for him to go in. And now, as of yesterday, he is going into in-person school, and I am not okay. <laughs> I am very not okay. Um, Can we get some context Yes, for first grade? Is, uh, well, so I, I don't know what context you mean, but suffice to like, say... So what is it, like the, the first actual school year? No, no. So for for Americans, kindergarten is considered the first proper school year, the first time you're okay. going to what we call public school, which you call something else. What do you call it over there? Just school. Oh, okay. Because public school is actually what I call private school, right? We've done this several times. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, as first year of the school that he's compelled to go to is kindergarten. Um, and then the second year of his schooling by the government is actually first grade, which I know is a little bit backwards. And then what comes before? Is that daycare? Uh, Well, daycare for some, we call it preschool. So like Michaela, this upcoming week will be doing her first, uh, first week of preschool. And so that's, that's just how we call it. I know it's a little weird, but nevertheless, Mm. uh, you know, so we did kindergarten his first year of real school at home on an iPad on Microsoft teams. And it actually to, to his teacher's credit, his teacher, and I was just singing her praises on ATP last night, but I'll do it here as well. His teacher was amazing, probably the best teacher I've ever seen. And I am married to a former teacher. I have known many teachers in my day, not only because they taught me, but because of Erin and, and and all of her friends. She is probably the best teacher I've ever seen. I mean, th- this woman has been teaching for like 20, 25 years and basically reinvented her entire career and curriculum in the span of a month in order to mm. facilitate these kids being at home. It was amazing. I don't have a lot of experience with this year's teacher yet, but I'm sure she's also excellent. But yeah, he's in school. And um, we dropped him off because he could take the bus, but the buses seem to be not really permitting social distancing. Um, as it turns out, because America is broken in every measurable way, we are lacking bus drivers in most of Virginia, or at least most of the Richmond area. Uh, so there's not enough bus drivers to go around. That's mostly because they won't pay them enough. And so um, there's not enough buses. So there's not really enough room to social distance. So we decided as much as Declan is dying to go on the bus, we decided, well, you know, we'll just drop you off and pick you up, uh, especially since the school is not far from us. And uh, we dropped him off yesterday morning. I was driving. Aaron was in the passenger seat. Uh, We dropped him off and then pulled away instantly. And Aaron started bawling. 
I started crying. Uh, Michaela in the back seat after a minute was like, I'm really sad. I think I'm crying or something like that. I forget exactly how she phrased it. Well, I mean, if everyone's crying, what's she going to do? Yeah, know? well, that's too, That's true, too. Uh, we were we were all a mess. And it's it's funny because I will tell you in one breath that I feel like his last year was taken from him, that kindergarten was taken from him. Uh, because it wasn't a real true kindergarten experience. He wasn't in the class. He wasn't with his, you know, friends, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, given the situation, I don't have any regrets. Uh, mm-hmm. but but I still feel terrible for him. And in a lot of ways, actually, I'm extremely thankful. And I think I've said this before. I'm extremely thankful that it was kindergarten that he quote unquote missed. Because imagine if he was a kindergartner the year before he actually was. So imagine he was going into second grade now. So mm-hmm. he had a year of kindergarten, knew what school was supposed to be like, then was home for a year yep. and feeling absolutely cheated. And now he's back at school. Yeah, it's the right way around for things to have gone for him. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, as well, like it's not going to, he's not going to remember any of it. Also you know? true. Also true. Yeah. But um, nevertheless, it's, it, it's a bummer that he, that it was taken mm-hmm. from him, but I'm extremely, extremely thankful he's in school. He, he the report yesterday was that he had a lot of fun uh, leading up to it. He was very nervous. And he said that to us many times. He said, I'm excited, but I'm really, really nervous. And I was like, okay, oh, well, you're man. definitely my kid. Uh, and so <laughs> it, nevertheless, uh, he, he was a trooper about it. He did really well. You know, he kept his mask on all day, like a big boy, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was good, but it's just, it's so wild because if you think about it, when he was in preschool, he would go from eight to noon, except one day he would go eight to two when he had soccer and, uh, and, and, or football, sorry, Mike, <laughs> football is live. Do you and think I can't understand? I know, I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be kind here, but anyways, uh, but you know, he, he's never really been gone all day regularly. And mm. because of various uninteresting, you know, political and, and by that, I mean, family politics and, and other circumstances, he hasn't really been away from us for more than a night in what, 18 months, something like that. And granted, he's not literally gone from us all day. It's not a sleep away first grade or anything. But my, my point is just, he's always with us and we're always with him. And so basically everything he can remember, right? Like, uh, he remembers the before times, but not terribly well. Michaela, by right. comparison, has zero recollection of the before times. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is her entire life. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so since at the very most recent March of 2020, but really, really since ever he's not been away from us this much and granted Mm. as we record we're only on day two but it's it's wild man and it's messing me up it's weird not having him around and i'm so worse for you than him right oh god yes i'm so unselfishly just overjoyed that he's having this opportunity finally i'm i'm somewhat selfishly happy because i know it will be convenient especially once michaela starts going next week to have a quiet house for me to get more work done it'll be convenient for aaron to do what she wants to do for the first time in seven years you know like it'll it's going to be great but sitting here now i'm the typical first you know first time parent that's just like home with me when is he getting home can we pick him up early oh Aaron and uh it's 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 a mess so I want to understand a little bit more about the um the school situation because mm-hmm. so like uh, you you seem to be um and you, are you continuing to drive him every day is that the plan that is the plan yeah I, I think until he is vaccinated which Rumor has it could be as soon as the end of this month, although I'm very skeptical that's the case, but that's the rumor. Well, but but that, at least that means it's moving forward, which is great news. Well, again, th- these are all rumors. I think I think it is factual that things are moving forward for younger children, yeah. yes. But in terms of timeline, 
that I might be hilariously aggressive. But if you reflect on us talking about when we would be vaccinated, you know, I told you and I've certainly told others, I didn't think I was going to get vaccinated till like July at the earliest. And I had my first shot in, I believe, the end of March, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Mm-hmm. I was reading, like, it seems to be a little unclear about what's going to happen to here for pre-teen. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we have we have the government, right? And then the government has a vaccination committee. They call it right, the JCVI, right. the Joint Committee for Vaccination, something, something, something. Anyway, or JVCI, I don't remember, but it's not important. The government asked them to assess if we were going to be, a, basically not if, when are we going to vaccinate younger children? And they're kind of result of it was saying that they don't think it should happen that like it should be um mandated or like suggested uh that all young kids will have vaccinations because well if there's underlying health conditions definitely we have like 200,000 kids that would fall into that gap i think is what i read but that the risk reward ratio is completely out of whack the younger that you get like that of course like there is there's there's statistics to everything right like the vaccines are very safe but they can carry some potential possible risks in some very 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 slim cases i'm not being a vaccine denier here right can we all understand that that's not what i'm doing like i'm just talking about what i've read and that the the idea being that the likelihood of a young, a very young child being sick from uh, coronavirus compared to any potential risk from vaccines, it gets out of whack. That's what I read. Um, and well, but the main reason they said was basically at this point, you're only vaccinating children to protect adults. And is that fair on the children? Yes. And I read that and I was like, that's an interesting idea. Like, mm-hmm. I would love everybody to be vaccinated. Uh, but so it stops getting passed around, right? But there is that that there is an ethical. I mean, that's kind of where it landed. I think so, like, there is an ethical thing to consider that we may only be uh, vaccinating children to to protect adults. And I mean, I do think that that's important. Um, but like they were saying, compared to other things we vaccinate kids for, there's where there's actual real big risk to children, like like MMR and stuff like that. So. I don't know is what I'm saying, right? Like, obviously, I want everyone to be vaccinated, but it's it's a, it's a different view on things. And at least it's coming from, I mean, our government is like, still might do it anyway. Like, they don't have <laughs> yeah. to do what the JCVI sure, sure, sure. recommend, but that's what these this group of doctors have suggested here. So I don't know. Yeah, it's really tough, too, because I'm trying to, you know, evaluate what we think we're going to do for Declan and Michaela. And sitting here now, I mean, barring some other major, you know, information or news, we're going to get them both vaccinated as soon as it's reasonably possible. But I have seen that the UK is kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on the younger than 12s. And it makes me wonder, you know, well, should we pump the brakes on Declan and Michaela? And it's hard, too, because I know, you know, I'm seeing a lot of headlines about how pediatric COVID cases, particularly with Delta, are going like through the roof. And and I think it's something that I'm struggling with, but I need to stop worrying, stop worrying as much about case numbers as much as I am like, you know, how many people are getting really sick? It's one thing to have people sick. That's not good. But, you know, if you're vaccinated, normally that's not a big problem. But how many people are getting really sick? And, and especially how many kids are getting really sick? Because if like 
even if a bazillion kids have it, but the, but they all all the symptoms they show is a little cough or a cold. Well, then maybe it's not worth it. But if a bazillion kids have it and a third of them are getting you know really honest to goodness some bad symptoms, then yeah, stick them stick, stick my kids right in their arms as quick as you can, please and mm-hmm. thank you. Um, but and I, and I don't I don't know the answer yet, but we'll see what happens. We're not scientists or doctors. Yeah, exactly. We just. We just play them on podcasts. <laughs> We're just trying our best, but uh, but it's it's tough because it real as I was sitting down to put a few notes in um in in the show notes here, I was thinking about well you know I'm really really scared for Declan to get sick and coincidentally the the yesterday evening the principal of his school emailed us was like hey we had our first COVID case just letting you know oh I have friends that have kids in school and like. They've every like they got a couple of kids in school and they've already had to have both children home like in the last two weeks because of yeah yep exactly and and we haven't gotten to that point yet and this and I think the COVID case was somebody who like works at the school or something but it but it happened prior to school starting so it was no big deal but it was just it was kind of funny and indicative right that literally the night of the first day of school it's like oh we got our first case just letting you know everybody um and and actually it's it seems like in the schools at least in the area in which I live. It seems like the only part of America I'm aware of where contact tracing is actually done and seems to be done reasonably well. Uh, most of America seems to just shrug when that happens and, and, and assumes that we'll all just be good citizens and take care of each other. <laughs> um, but in our case, you know, contact tracing does seem to work really well. And they say, oh, we contact trace. You know, it's all taken care of. Don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. But it was just indicative and funny that it was the first day. And real-time follow-up, Matt from the chat is saying that the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is basically begging the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, to approve the five to 11 year old vaccine for use yeah or the, i'm sorry the the five you know, the vaccine for use in five to 11 year olds and according to matt and i tend to agree the the best pediatric organization in the world in in matt's opinion um so let's it, not start having a u.s versus uk no, no, war fair, on this fair, fair. for absolutely right, no I, t- I rescind i rescind that portion yeah. at the very end but like everyone can have their opinions yeah but to come back uh to, to safety you know we we're not putting them on the bus because we feel like that's not terribly safe and we uh we actually now, uh, our sister-in-law, because they just got married a month or two ago, right before Delta really arrived here. Um, but Aaron's, Aaron's brother's wife, again, sister-in-law, she works in a neighboring county and she said, and they, and they started a couple of weeks before we did. And she was telling us that like almost all of the COVID cases that they've discovered in their schools have been from the bus. And this is completely anecdata. Like, I'm not trying to say this is true everywhere. What's the difference between like uh, how are they in school like how are they keeping um measures in school then so they're supposed to be three feet apart from the midline of their body to the midline of the next body i'm skeptical that's really the case and everyone in the school parents kids teachers staff everyone is supposed to be masked the entire day with a couple of minor exceptions I don't recall mm-hmm. if physical education is, is an exception or not, but I believe they are allowed to take their masks off when they're outdoors on the playground, obviously when they're eating. Um, but I think that's basically it. So for the most part, they have to have their masks on the entire time they're there. And what's funny is, you know, a lot of American adults will be like, oh, oh, that's the worst. They're so mean to these kids. They're, they're, why are they doing that to these kids? It's so mean. Oh, it's terrible. And Declan does not. He does what's not care. mean? Like uh, it, we're forcing them to keep these masks on all day, uh, and it's so yeah. uncomfortable and unfair to them. Declan wears eyeglasses, 
and has a mask on all day and does not care. Like, it, I mean, the eyeglasses are probably more of an annoyance, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's got used to that. Yeah, there is a weird thing here where, like, so schools just starting back up again. And I read that, like, oh, there are no more restrictions. And I'm kind of like, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem like a yeah. good idea. Uh, but it's it's kind of being left to, like, that it's recommended but not government mandated. And it's like, I don't really understand. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the whole thing with masks for us in general in the UK now, or it's like, exercise your own judgment. And it's like, I don't really like that. Welcome to America. I would say anecdotally, I'm not really seeing any change in mask wearing in the places that I'm at. Like there will always, there were always people that didn't wear them. Mm -hmm. Um, and the people that don't wear them now are the exact same people that weren't wearing them properly before. So it's kind (laughs) of, honestly, it just feels like the same, um, it's kind of the same kind of effect as when they were saying everybody needed to wear them. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, I'm thinking about safety and, and the virus, and, and it's it's changing, potentially changing Aaron and I's, like, threat matrix, because up until literally yesterday, we were pretty self-contained. Like, obviously, we left the house, we did things, but for the most part, anything we did, we were in some, or we felt like whether or not it was true, we were in some reasonable amount of control mm-hmm. over the the threat levels around us and that, that were kind of infringing upon us. But now like one kid is in school five days a week and the oh, other one's going are in off, man. And, and, and the other one's going yeah. in three days a week. And so at this point, like, <laughs> yeah. and I've been talking to Aaron about it and I've said to her, like, should we just go back to like, screw it, you know, hashtag YOLO, whatever. And her point to me, which I think is true and fair, and maybe we'll change our minds later, who knows, but her point to me was like, look, it's one thing to just, you know, have the kids in school, which I think is absolutely necessary for both of them, particularly Michaela, but it's another thing to like thumb our noses at it and just do whatever and not even have a consideration for what's safe. There's a ton of middle ground. Exactly. Exactly. That's another way of phrasing it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we're doing a little bit more than we had before but we're still not like going into everyone's houses and hanging out and having pizza parties. You know what I mean? Like if we're going to see people, it's still outside and so on and so forth. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to, you know, ride the line and, and, and balance as best we can, but it's just, it's weird and eerie that suddenly I feel like I have a dramatic l- loss of a lot of control, which is probably for the best and probably health in a way, but I don't know. It's weird. But the other, the other fun thing about this is now Declan's in a school building all day, every day mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. Mm. And now I have new things to fear because not only do I get to fear an invisible virus, but now I get to fear nut jobs with guns. Sweet. So I kind of want to, I don't know how much I want to dig into this, but I kind of want to dig into this a little bit because I'm just, I'm like intrigued by it. Um, just about this, this your feelings here. So, I mean, obviously, uh, mass shootings are just another virus that America seems to be dealing with mm-hmm. um, consistently forever. So this it becomes a like a a constant concern for you now, like that you feel like it could happen at any point. It, for me, I'm I, I want the concern is strong. It's a worry, and it's something that I think about probably once a day. Is this a thing that happens a lot where you live? Well, uh, no asterisk, but you have to consider that I went to school at Virginia Tech where, you know, in what was it? 2006, I believe, was at that point the deadliest mass shooting in in, in history. Oh, okay. So, 
I either didn't remember that or yep. whatever it slipped no, it's my fine. mind. Obviously, it means more to you. That was two years after I graduated from tech in some of the buildings right. that I used to have classes in. And then Sandy Hook Elementary was the town next door to where I grew up. Okay, so you have a particular effect, like a close effect with uh, these things anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm stealing valor. Not that you've been involved in one. Exactly. But that, that you have been exposed to it on, mm-hmm. like on a local level a lot. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, Richmond Richmond hasn't seen anything like this in a long time to memory, ser- if memory serves. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, and, and I don't think Virginia really has in a meaningful way, I don't think, since Virginia Tech in 2006 or so. But it's still something I worry about. And, and Virginia is a melting pot of, you know, I, I've probably said this on the show before, but like Northern Virginia, which is the D.C. suburbs, is like the straight up north. Like it's it's not that dissimilar from New York. I'm sure New Yorkers would argue with me. But having lived in New York, having having lived in Virginia for a long time, I don't view it as that dissimilar, not from New York City strictly, but like the broader New York, you know, tri-state area. Um, then you have the middle of Virginia where I am, which is kind of a melting pot of, of north and south. You know, any of the larger cities like Charlottesville are here are typically pretty blue, pretty, pretty liberal. Um, but you step more than a few steps out of the city and it gets real red, real, real, real rural, real, real conservative really quickly. And then Southern Virginia, especially Southwest Virginia, where Virginia tech is that's straight up South. Like that is pure, honest to goodness South. And, and it tends to be, I'm stereotyping unfairly, but it tends to be that, you know, it's the South where guns are everywhere and there's a very different relationship with guns than you find in the North. And so, we are close enough to areas where that's the case that it gives me it gives me real pause. It gives me real worry. And so I don't know. It's just something I, I'm, I'm scared about. And so, you know, I wrote in the show notes, you know, I'm worried about his safety, you know, because of the virus, because mm-hmm. of shootings. God, I hate America. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't hate America, but I kind of hate America, especially right now. It's just tough. But on the, on the positive note, though, he is in school. He is having fun so far. He is doing extremely well with reading. Like, I don't think he's, you know, and a, a remarkable reader. But the point is that he sits there and like reads kids books for pleasure, which as you know, given that he came from two pretty big readers, that's not terribly surprising, but it, it warms my heart to see him like pick up a book and, and choose to read it. And when I say read, it's not like when Michaela reads a book where she's just flipping through the pictures, like he's legitimately reading to himself. Yeah. And, I, and it just makes me extremely happy. And, 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 um, so pleased that he seems to be doing well. He's looking forward to, you know, his different special classes like um, art, for example. He really likes art. And I don't know where that came from because I don't think that came from either Aaron or me, but I'm super happy about it. You know, I'm just I'm really excited for him to be in school and to get that more more traditional experience, even though it isn't exactly the same as all as I remember when I was a kid. But but yeah, I'm I'm excited and I'm very sad to miss my little man. This episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends over at Fastmail. Fastmail is putting you first by prioritizing privacy and usability. Unlike some other email services to sell your information or use it for advertising or whatever they want, Fastmail keeps advertisers out of your inbox by putting you in control of your data so you can focus on your workflow, knowing that your privacy is protected for a business model that leaves advertisers out because it just they just don't do this. Fastmail works great with built-in mail, calendar, and contact apps on macOS and iOS, in addition to offering a great web client of their own. The open source elements put you in control of your workflow of all of the tools to do things your way, so you can set up processing systems that eliminate unwanted mail and prioritize what's important automatically. Email is an unavoidable thing. We all need to have email. It's just... I mean, it's 
as maybe if not more important these days is like a physical mailing address. I feel like everything I want is my email and any letter that comes to me, I don't want. So you kind of <laughs> can't get rid of it. And anyone can email you all the time and you spend so much of your life dealing with your email. So it is great to have a tool that is effective, is available to you everywhere, is fast, usable, and also privacy focused. Like that's a big thing. Like putting all of your information, everything that goes through email that could be used to sell stuff against you, that could be a problem for you. Maybe you don't want that. And what's great about Fastmail is you have an option. For over 20 years, Fastmail has been keeping customer data private. It's one of the longest operating and most trusted email services in the world. To be a part of the very best in email, go directly to the source and try Fastmail. Just go to fastmail.com slash analog to get started today. That's F-A-S-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash analog. And you'll get a free month and 10% discount off your first year. That's fastmail.com slash analog. Our thanks to Fastmail for their support of this show and Relay FM. You know what this month is, Mike? Tell me. Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, which means you especially are raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And as mm-hmm. we record, we are not even halfway through the month and milestones are being hit, my friend. It is Left, right, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Uh, as we record today, we're, we're approaching $220,000 raised. Uh, our goal this year is $333,333.33 because it's the third time we're doing it. Um, the goals almost feel arbitrary, the campaign goals these <laughs> days, because the Relay FM community just destroys them every year. Um, we're doing very well. We're uh, definitely ahead of where we thought we were going to be to this point. Uh, so we're incredibly thankful for that. Um, but the big thing that we've done so far together this year is uh, we have now passed over $1 million raised over the last three years of campaigns for St. Jude. Uh, which is a, just an absolutely astounding, nobody ever thought it could be done kind of number. Um, you know, I think when we started this, uh, the first year, we were hoping we would raise 100 grand that year. And we raised like 300. And then the next year, <laughs> we raised nearly like over 400. And now here we are. Um, and we've raised over $200,000 already, a million in total. Uh, it's absolutely astounding the way that everybody comes together. Um, on our shows and shows like ATP, which is so grateful. And, and, you know, I see it pop up all over the place now, like lots of blogs and websites linked to the campaign. It's become something that thankfully for us, I think really is it's, it's, you know, we're at the core of it, but it's bigger than us Um, because really it belongs to all of us, the entire community, listeners, hosts, everybody uh, in between. Let me tell you a little bit why uh, you should donate to St. Jude. So, uh, as Casey said, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and Relay FM is here to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is finding cures and saving children. St. Jude is leading the way that the world understands, treats, and defeats childhood cancer and other life-threatening diseases. But they need your help. They can't do it without you. Because of generous donors, families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, or food. Because they believe, quite rightly, that all a family should have to worry about in these moments is helping their child stay alive. For context, the average cost to treat just one child of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, the most common form of childhood cancer, is $203,074. So we've already raised more than that this year, which is incredible. To make this possible, to be able to afford all of this, to be able to pay every single one of these bills, the millions and millions of dollars it can cost, 
about 80% of the funds necessary to sustain and grow St. Jude must be raised every single year from generous donors like you. So, this September, you can join us in aiming to raise over $300,000 for the kids of St. Jude during our third annual Relay FM for St. Jude uh, fundraising campaign. You can help by making a donation right now at stjude.org slash relay. This year, if you donate a single gift of $100 or more, you'll receive an exclusive Relay FM sticker and thanks pack at the end of the campaign. Uh, that includes a bunch of stickers, including one sticker of my face and one sticker of Stephen's face, um, which you may have seen a bunch of if you follow me and Stephen on Twitter, because for every $500 raised, we are defacing uh, furniture <laughs> in our offices. Excuse me, Mike. I think you made a small error there. You said defacing, but I think you meant improving. Yeah. I mean, I actually really love the way that my desk <laughs> looks right now. I genuinely do. I think it looks fantastic. Uh, so I'm covering my desk, Stephen's face. He is covering a shelving unit uh, in my face. Um, and these will be things that will permanently live in our studios. It's, you know, it's kind of a punishment uh, that we're doing <laughs> for your money. So go donate at stjude.org slash relay. If, you ha- if your company does a donation matching, which is a very, um, oh my God, Emma in the Discord, refacing rather than defacing. Very good. I, I endorse this. So if your company matches donations, that's like corporate donation matching, lots of companies do this. If you don't know if your company does, ask. Uh, please just send us an, an email so just to let us know that that's been done because this money can then be routed into our campaign and you can double your money to St. Jude. Just email Stephen at relay.fm if you do that. Now, big message. The Relay FM podcast-a-thon for St. Jude will be happening on September 17th from 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S., at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. We are doing eight hours this year, which is the longest that we've ever done. You can tune in, uh, twitch.tv slash RelayFM. Help us raise some money. We've got tons of wonderful content planned. Uh, our friend here, Casey Liss, is going to be making an appearance. We're planning a fun game that we're going to play uh, mm-hmm. on on Stephen, uh, which <laughs> yep. I'm very excited about, but I think listeners of Analog are going to get a kick out of. Oh, yes. Uh, but we have tons of games and fun surprises and terrible things that are going to happen to me and Stephen is ultimately one of the big themes of this year's podcast-a-thon. Oh, delightful. Because people seem to really enjoy that. And like we will do terrible things to ourselves for money. Uh, and that's your money. So go to stjude.org slash relay and you can help uh, donate and support St. Jude today. And we can cure childhood cancer together. Yeah, seriously, uh, you know, Mike and I don't thankfully have kids that have been afflicted with such an illness, but uh, it's been incredible learning more and more each year about St. Jude and about the incredible, incredible work they do, how the research that that they have done is in so many cases I don't know if this is, this is the right terminology, but basically like donated back to the community so that it can be used to cure kids that are not being treated by St. Jude. It's not like they're hoarding it all from themselves or anything. It is a phenomenal organization that I, you know, I've had the pleasure of interacting with over the computer anyway, a handful of the employees there, and they are all amazing, amazing people. Obviously, Stephen has an incredible amount of history with St. Jude, and they really effectively saved, you know, his eldest kid's life. So that's pretty cool too. Uh, I cannot stress enough. If you can, please, if you can scrape together even just a couple dollars, please, stjude.org slash relays, please send a little money their way. Um, it would be incredible. And 
it is genuinely become quite a pleasure for for me and and I think I speak for the rest of the ATM ATM. Wow, I don't even know my own podcast. Hey, no, no, uh, I like that. Yeah, the, the rest of the ATM the crew. ATM machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's it. what that's they it. call your show. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, the, accidental the, transaction <laughs> machine. Yeah, that, that's very well done. See, now we can't cut it out because now it's become this a thing. Is, yeah, I am doubling down. I almost <laughs> quadrupling down on this. <laughs> To anyway. stop you from being from letting Jim take it out of the show. Oh goodness! All right, so the ATP crew, also known as the ATM, it was an crew, accident. It was, you know? it was an accident. Uh, we are overjoyed to help uh, in in whatever small way we can to raise money for St. Jude. So please, stjude.org/slash/relay. Please watch the podcastathon again. I will double down on what Mike said earlier. Uh, we were talking before the show about the game that we will be playing with, or maybe on Stephen, and it is. Very, very good. Mike has put in an unfair amount of work. I have failed him. I'm the teammate that has done nothing no, and is coasting no. through and in, in getting an A on Mike's uh, coattails. But it is very well done. And actually, I think now that we've collaborated on some of it, I'm even more proud of it. I am super excited for it. It is going to be very funny. And I think it's in the first, is it the first or second hour of the podcast a thon? I think it's okay to say. I don't recall exactly uh... when it is. It's Let early. It's, uh, I, th- I think we can say that within much. the first couple of hours. It yeah. is uh, so uh, towards the start. But just tune in for all of it. You want to yeah. see if you're a, if you're a list head, <laughs> you never know when he's going to appear. So make sure you block out eight hours of your day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You can tune never be in. too safe. You're you're a big big list fan. Mm-hmm. How is the how's the prep going? This is analog. Oh, you can take us behind the, the scenes. I, I'm I'm freaking out over here, Casey. Hooray. Like so uh short you know, show today, look, guys. Short show. We have we are blessed genuinely to have an incredible team, like a literal team of people that help us put this thing together. Like it would genuinely we couldn't do this on our own. Like it would be boring compared to what we're able to put together with mm-hmm. the wonderful team at Allsack that we work with. Allsack is the fundraising uh, arm of St. Jude. And we're very pleased that we get to have their uh, efforts and we're meeting all the time. And you know, But it's um, there's an Apple event next week, which is always an explosion <laughs> in my calendar. And we knew this was going to happen. Like we didn't go into this blind. Like we knew that this was going to, like there was a very strong likelihood that these things would overlap. And it's part of the reason we chose the date that we did. So, you know, we have some extra stuff to talk about if we want to talk about these things with some guests, right? But still, it's going to be a nightmare next week. Like I, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to be in London. We really hoped that I was going to be in Memphis, and if I was going to be in Memphis, I wouldn't feel so freak. I wouldn't be freaking out so much right now, because they have an incredible team there in a studio that they have. But I have to get my studio here in London ready, and so like from Sunday, that's when I'm going to start breaking down gear and stuff. Like some my video gear is coming down. I'm basically going to be, there will not be a part of this studio that isn't touched. Like I am going to be taking apart everything. All of my audio gear is coming apart. All of my video gear is coming apart. Like I am absolutely dismantling this studio to make it work again. Um, I'm putting up the gazebo again. We're going to fill it with balloons uh, and I'm nice. going to try and one up that from last time in some interesting ways. But like I've got to just dismantle it. Uh, luckily, I'm getting we're getting more help this year. So last year it was just me and Adina, right? Like because September 2020, like yep. who would go near another human being, right? Mm-hmm. 
but now we have some peeps we have a couple of friends coming to help us out oh, uh, that's for excellent. at least a few hours just to try and take some of the the burden off Adina trying to manage all of it um and so yeah we're also planning out the podcast the th- like we learned a lot last year about what made it work easier than the first year and we're like planning all of that like you know about uh how long me and Steven are on camera for like long periods of time like one of the, the first year we didn't really think about it and that we both had these incredibly long stints with no break. You know, it's like we're both on together and then I'm interviewing someone, then we're back and then I'm mm-hmm. interviewing someone else. And mm-hmm. then it's like four hours later and I can barely <laughs> see. So like this time we're doing a good job of making sure we've got good handovers. And that's like Steven's like got this incredible spreadsheet called the run of show document where he works everything through in 15 minute blocks. It's an incredible feat. But this is what he's so good at is this stuff is planning this stuff out. Um, so that's going to help a lot. But yeah, I'm just I'm just freaking out, right? Like this is the most important day of the year for us now. Without, without a shadow of a doubt, this is the most important day of the year. Um, and so there's always going to be a lot of nerves leading up to that. It's even more nerve wracking when I've got to get it right. You know, like I've got to get all of my gear right. I've got to be like better than last time and redundant gear and all kinds of stuff and i will say the benefit that i have now from over last time is i actually have more gear i have better gear than i did last last year i mean if you remember last year just trying to get a webcam was impossible right mm-hmm. that's um, true yeah, now, yeah right now i have a lot of lighting stuff and uh i have a pc that i think is going to be able to better handle the video stream than the mac i was using last time what was the issue last time? There was like a lag or something. Is that right? Well, I think the problem was that we left the call going for the entire stream. So it, it introduced a lag. I think if I would have just restarted the Discord call, it probably mm-hmm. would have been better. And so when I'm not on the for a bit, I'm going to just like join, quit Discord, open Discord, rejoin the call kind of thing. Right, right. But still, like we've got like rehearsals Thursday for technology stuff. And I've got so I've got to get everything ready before then. But I'm recording all my shows as normal. Uh, so yeah, I'm, we're trying to stage it out, right? Like and I'm still like in the process of trying to work it out. So it's going to be a case of like from Saturday to Friday, every spare minute is going to be here in the studio doing something to get this place ready. Uh, I don't, I don't envy you at all, and and I understand why you do it the week that you do, but. I, I don't know. As your friend, I might politely try to nudge you to do it either before the Apple event or a couple of weeks after the Apple event to give you a chance to breathe. What we ideally wanted to hit, like what this date was supposed to be, and we'll try again next year, was uh, the same as the first year. So the first year was iPhone release day. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. we wanted, right? We wanted iPhone release day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for iPhone week day right right like right iphone and we're looking for the release day because it was fantastic last time we got to like unbox our phones on the stream we got to try out some of the new features it was great so that's what we were hoping this one would be uh what has actually turned out is iphone announcement weekday which is way worse on everybody's uh schedules so we're also very thankful that that none of our guests have said i can't do this <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is one of those things i think once you say i'm going to do it i don't know how you say i'm not going to do it right but um right right so yeah, we're we're it is what it is, and this is just kind of where we are now. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to be doing the game with you. There's a possibility I'll be involved in a different game uh, that'll be presumably broadcast later on uh, during the podcast-a-thon. 
Yeah, what's something we're doing different this time to previous years is uh, we're working on a lot of content post podcastathon. So, like, there's going to be additional streams that me and Steven are doing, additional streams and content that will be unlocked at certain goals as well that will be happening from after the podcastathon through to the end of September. Because we're raising money all the way through to the end of September, but we do the podcastathon in the middle, and that's just where we do it. It just works best for everyone this way. But we want to keep keep giving more benefits and things for people to continue donating throughout the month of September. So we're working on a bunch of stuff uh, that will be streamed or uh, like have watch parties for that will occur uh, throughout the rest of the month. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Well, for me, probably not for you. <laughs> well, it will be fun for you if, if also extremely stressful, but it's looking like it's going to be great. And I only have heard bits and pieces of what's happening during it. I haven't seen the master spreadsheet or anything like that. And it is looking like it's going to be excellent. And and I think what's so great about what you and Steven are doing and, and the AllSAC team too is everyone is clearly every year learning so much from the year before and making vast, vast, vast improvements. And I don't want to jinx you, so I'll knock on wood real quick. But generally speaking, every year it's been so much better than the year before, even when you had to switch from being together to being remote. And and I'm super looking forward to how it's going to go this year because it, it should be incredible. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to taking everything that we've learned from these remote ones and putting them back to an in-person one. And I'm, I really, really hope it will be next year. Yeah, I, I do too. Genuinely, I think we're just going to be a couple of months off, right? Because, you know, I, I think I said this in the show before. I was willing to go basically under any circumstances. I just needed to get there. Yeah. And yeah. right now, I cannot enter. That's mm-hmm. that's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. I am not allowed into America. You know, like, I would have done anything. I would have gone two weeks before and stayed in a hotel room on my own for two weeks. Like, I would have done it because that's how important this is to me. But it's just it's just not feasible. So I'm kind of stuck here. But it is what it is. We're going to make the most of it. Last year was fantastic. It was like there was no difference. And now, really, the podcast-a-thon has been done two ways, once each. So All right. if anything, the podcast-a-thon is a remote event. And like, look, it does. It, the reason it works is because everybody else is remote. So me and Steven being remote doesn't actually affect it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because like most of the time this year, if we're doing something, we're doing it with somebody else. Like there's someone else, right, like we're doing right. a game or something like that. So me and him being in the same place doesn't actually mean that much. We're doing some stuff this year where it would be more fun if we were in the same place, but it's not going to affect it because we've the difference we had this year to last year is we always planned it this way mm-hmm. from the very beginning, right? Like 2020's podcast-a-thon was planned as we're going to be in person until like six weeks before, and we realized this isn't going away, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, but this year, we always planned, we planned for both scenarios. Like everything that we came up with, we came up with to work here and there. That makes sense. So, yeah, I hear you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm super pumped. I'm I'm nervous as hell, but I am super pumped for it. I can't. I wait. think that's exactly the correct response. I think that's mm-hmm. exactly how you should feel right now. Oh man, but but it should be great, and and it will be great, and I am super excited for all the money that that you guys are raising for St. Jude. It's been an incredible journey, and I would like to extend a public thank you again to you uh, and everybody at ATP for the work that you do as well to help 
um, put this in our listeners' minds again. So thank you. Of course, of course. What else is awesome these days? Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to the show, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click that buy button or fill out that trial form? Look, you could stumble across this by luck, but that means you've already lost out on new customers. You need something to tell you when everything's running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it isn't, you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 a day. And for as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps you keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a small company, a startup, or a massive company like a Fortune 500 company. You need real-time alerts for critical website issues and customization of how you're alerted as well, whether you want an SMS, an email, or it to pop up in one of your team's collaboration apps. Pingdom will even track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affected user experience. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now to get yourself a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% of your first invoice. A thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. Michael, it is silly season. Silly season, baby. Yes, Summer we're is silly. In it. Summer is silly season. Uh, this is Formula One time. Welcome back. It's Formula mm-hmm. One time here on Analog. Uh, silly season is a period during the summer when all of the, if there are seats open, that's when they start getting filled. It's typically during the summer break. There's like a three to four week gap in the Formula One calendar, which we just got out of last week. It extended a little bit this time because we're like, there was some stuff going on. So I'm going to give a quick breakdown of the things that have happened in the last three or four days. Mm-hmm. Kimi Raikkonen has announced his retirement. Kimi has been in the sport forever. Uh, has basically set all the records now for like longest running, you know, like most mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. and longest, right? Tends to, to be all Kimi right now. Uh, Kimi is retired. Kimi was at Alfa Romeo. Uh, Valtteri Bottas is moving from Mercedes to Alfa Romeo. Uh, George Russell is moving from Williams to Mercedes. And Alex Albon is coming back to the sport to take up the vacant seat at Williams. Um, and I think all that's left, the only question mark that's left now, is the second seat at Alfa Romeo. Is that right? Yeah, because it's Seb is there. No, Kimi is there. Kimi is there. And currently that seat is filled by Antonio Giovinazzi. But it's not confirmed that Antonio Giovinazzi will be uh, will be racing. No, I'm sorry. Did you, did you say Alfa Romeo or did you say, I heard Aston Martin, but I think you said Alfa Romeo. I said Alfa Romeo. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, because as it turns out, Aston Martin's other seat is not confirmed. And, and you're correct. Alfa Romeo's other seat with Bottas is not confirmed. What seat isn't confirmed to Aston? Uh, because they have, according to Wikipedia, there's Vettel and we don't know. No, it's, it's filled with straw. The F1 is saying it's filled with straw. But. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because they said it was like pending some final confirmation or something. No, I think you're correct. I think you're correct. Lance is not is not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because his dad owns the team, right? His I mean, dad it's, owns yeah. the team. It's, He's it's good for now. Out. No, I'm sorry. You uh, no, it, it, my understanding the only the only seat that is not confirmed as of right now is the uh, Alfa Romeo seat, second Alfa Romeo seat. Well, it's been it's been a wild, you know, week or week and a half, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we heard Kimmy retiring, I want to say week, week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, something like that. Mm-mm, no, it was this uh, week. Was it this week? I thought this it was all early happened that. this week. Golly, time is Kimmy, a flat circle. Kimmy retired on Monday, I think. Is that what it was? My goodness. Yeah. 
Oh, maybe Kimmy retired a little a few days ago, it, and, and then Valtteri was Monday. I think that's what it was actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, I don't. I have very mixed feelings about Valtteri. Like, I, I feel bad that he he has had a very poor year at Mercedes this year, and I don't think last year was particularly amazing for him either. I do feel like it's time for him to move on. Uh, what I'm curious to see is whether or not he will shine as kind of the, the big dog, you know, or will he be stuck as kind of an also ran even at Alfa Romeo? Yeah, everything's also tricky, right? Because as well, next year, this is all happening next year for the 2022 season. The 2022 season is bringing some huge changes to the sport. Like there's been a cost cap, so the teams can only spend so much money now, which is which is helping to level the playoff field a little bit. But also the cars are all changing next year under these new cost cap conditions. So it's kind of a bit like the, everybody's saying it's going to, and I believe it will level the playing field. I don't think it will level the playing field entirely, but it will level the playing field a bit. So like, for example, I mean, in theory, there's no reason why Valtteri could not win the entire championship at Alfa Romeo next year, depending mm-hmm. on how Alfa's mm-hmm. car is. And because it's now cost, because now there's a cap on costs, it can't just be a money thing that gets people over the line, which has been something that's said about Formula One for a long time. So things things are likely to change. Like the dominant teams potentially could change. We could have different podiums a lot more frequently next year, which would be a lot of fun, right? Like that's why they're doing it. That's why the that's why everyone is doing this is to just try and mix it up a little bit. But it all depends on how they come out uh next year like there are some teams like Haas is one of them um I think Williams is another who have said like they are spending they have spent less time on their 2021 car in preparation for their 2022 car kind of just like written off the season Mm -hmm. um to try and focus on making sure they come out of the gates as good as possible next year so you know it's like yeah we're gonna put George in at Mercedes but Mercedes might not be Mercedes next year Mm. yeah that's an interesting point uh, it was funny watching this all go down because, you know, we saw Kimi re- Kimi's retirement, whenever it was, and then we saw Valtteri moving to Alfa Romeo. And at this point, I am feeling the earth quiver because I can feel Mike's excitement from across the pond. He's so excited. Oh, my God, it's the time. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And sure enough, I think it was the next day that we finally mm-hmm. heard that over to over to, I almost said over to Williams, over to Mercedes is George Russell. It is an all British driving force, all British drivers. Oh my God, Michael Hurley, how excited are you? Oh man, I'm I'm into it. Like, look, I love George Russell anyway, right? Like George has been one of my favorites for a while just because he just seems like such a nice guy, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so like I've been, I wanted to see, I want to see him do well, right? And he has had a fantastic season. He got his first podium. Let's not talk about how, but he got his first podium. <laughs> uh, but you know, for real merit, like he he was able to qualify, right? Like he he did a great job. He did something that nobody else other than Max could do on that uh, qualifying qualifying lap. So I'm super excited about it. And I mean, uh, my genuine hope, like, is that. Mercedes continue to be a force and then we end up with two British drivers on the podium every single week. It's going to be great for me, man. Uh, I I'm I'm into it. I'm I'm not looking forward to hearing you scream rule Britannia for the entire season next season. But Yeah, man. Well, but nevertheless. You got to you got to turn out turn out an American. Yeah, well, so. yeah, good. Well, we have um uh, what are the two bosses? There's the dude with the name I can never remember and then um the McLaren about boss. driver. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's this all I got. I got. I can't count Haas; they're a mess. 
and I, all I can count is uh, is McLaren's uh, head. What is his name? I'm drawing blanks left and right. We do this all the time. We forget his name all the time. I know. I always do. Because I always want to say Lance Stroll or like, or I want to say like Lando Zach Norris. Brown. Lando, Zach Brown. Lando Norris sounds like the most American name to me ever. <laughs> really? Yeah. It feels, very, it feels very American to me, Lando Norris. I don't know why. I don't know, but I'm thinking of Zach Brown and uh, and Otmar. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Safnauer, something like that. Saf- yeah, is is Otmar American? I thought Romanian American. There you go. Huh? Huh? Yeah. I didn't know he was part Romanian. That's going to go down well in our house. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it will. Uh, anyways, so yeah, th- those are, are the two American offers that I can make to F1 right now. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to next season. I I'm curious to see. How, I I don't have any love or hate for Valtteri, but I'm curious to see how he is as the big dog. Presu- presumably, I'm curious to see how all the um, new cars do. I I do think there's something kind of cute and cool about you know the all Brit uh, driving team for Mercedes. And I feel like George Russell could be very, very, I mean, well, obviously he's already very good, but he could be like really, really good, especially having been tutored by Lewis for at least a year or two. So um, I, I'm really, really excited to see how this goes. I'm, I still think Lando's my guy. I just love Lando. He, he cracks me up. Um, oh, real time follow up from my Romanian wife. Uh, Adina said that Toto Wolf is somehow related to Romania, and she was right. He is Toto Wolf is half Romanian. Oh, uh, he today was I born learned. to a Polish mother and Romanian father. So really, there's as much Romanian as there is American in Formula One. <laughs> You're right. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. Well, no, because it's, I love Toto. It's, it's, uh, he seems like a really cool guy. I wish yep. I, I, if I have one tenth of his coolness when I'm fifty five, so cool, whatever right? he is. God, oh man. I wish I was that cool. And like so buff too. I know, right? I, geez, yeah. he's, he's in such good shape. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I did read, this is a rumor, but I did read that uh, Michael Andretti is wants to uh, buy an F1 team. Oh, interesting. Because it's become so popular in America now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he, uh, he almost ran me over in, uh, pit, in the pit lane at Indy once. He was on a little scooter, like a little uh, gasoline-powered powered scooter. And... Uh, and I was apparently not where he wanted me to be, and he damn near ran me over. What were you doing in the pit lane? Uh, it was before the Indy 500, but, but, well, it was like practice, I think. We used to, my dad and I used to go, uh, when I was a kid, we lived in Springfield, Illinois, which is uh, the state adjacent to Indiana, and uh, we would drive, and, I, I just told this story somewhere, I thought it was on the show, maybe it was somewhere else, but we would drive in the morning, like if we would get up at like four in the morning, and we would drive from Springfield to Indianapolis, and uh, we would go to like qualifying and then go home and not go to the actual um, race. But I remember vividly being in the car when it was dark out and my dad would tune into the AM radio station from New York city. And because, you know, the world was asleep, there was little interference. We could actually hear halfway across the country. We could get faintly, but we could get the AM radio station that we always used to listen to in New York for like news and traffic and stuff, which, which blows my mind. But we would go and we would go to qualifying. And, and like I said, we were walking through the pits during qualify or like, I guess it was, uh, it was maybe it wasn't the pits. Maybe I guess it was like the paddock area. I don't know. But anyways, we were somewhere that's semi-exclusive, but it wasn't race day. It was qualifying day. But this is the part that you still have yet to answer. Why were you there? Like in that area? Because why wouldn't you be there if you have a ticket for it? And I wanted to see all the but people. Like, can... So is that just a thing? Like anyone could just go? Or did your dad pay big money? No, to I don't there? think it was big money, especially because it was qualifying. But yes. Um, more I think money. More money. Yes. 
And, you know, this is, this is a very common thing to go either into pits or the paddock at like NASCAR and Indy and stuff like that. And my dad was like casually into IndyCar at the time. So um, it was something that he and I did for a few years. But mm. uh, yeah, but yeah, okay. uh, Michael Andretti almost ran me down. That's that's my claim to fame. It's not not a great claim to fame. That's all right. Hey, uh, Total Wolf, 49 years old, still freaking ripped. Yep. My goodness. There's yeah. a clip of him during a Drive to Survive episode where he's like working out big time. So, you know. That's that's actually a thing. You know, I'm uh, I'm also excited for Alex Albon to get another chance. I really like Alex. He did not have a good year last year. Yeah, he had terrible, a terrible yeah. year. Yeah. And yeah. it was not surprising that he got relegated, if you will, uh, to being a a what is it like a practice or a test driver or whatever that he is this year. But um, but my goodness, I'm excited to have him have a second chance. I feel like some of his problems last year were were luck, and some of it was him. But I would argue it was more more bad luck than it was him, even though it was both. Yeah, I mean, as well, like I think there is something to be said that young drivers in that second Red Bull seat uh, alongside Max have struggled, like historically. Mm-hmm. Because it is a lot of pressure, um, and it seems like that the Red Bull culture really harbors that level of pressure towards yeah. the the younger drivers. So, you know, like it makes it makes more sense, I think, that way why you see Checo Perez. He's had a pretty good season because he's more experienced mm-hmm. and can maybe handle the pressure a little bit more. You know, there are, there's I think there's something to be said that like the culture of Red Bull maybe isn't that fantastic. Because uh, it's led by a tool bag um, <laughs> in Christian Horner. Uh, oh my gosh! I my distaste for Christian Horner has like quintupled uh, this year. I had some level. I still have some level of respect for him because of what he. I mean, he has achieved great things and is you know it seems to be somewhat decent at what he does. But I just don't get a good feeling from him at all. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like, you know, we've spoken a couple of times about our group chat between you, me and, and Aaron and Adina. And I love that group chat so much. I really do. But um, I feel like especially on race day, which is when it really goes popping off on the group chat, I feel like half the time these days we're just all whining to each other about how much we hate Christian Horner. Yeah, we, everyone's oh finally convinced you that he seems like an oh, idiot. Oh, I will kill you, sir. That is patently untrue like, christian christian oh my god i, I hate like, Casey, you so much he seems to be so mean and you're like I no you. i love him so, i hate you so much i'm just pleased that everybody's finally talked yeah. you out of it yes yes that's definitely what happened and not the exact opposite of that <laughs> definitely <laughs> no, i remember it yeah uh-huh, uh-huh sure well because you're just like so anti-mercedes you yeah, just take anyone's um, side. That there is a there is a shred of truth to that actually, yeah. but <laughs> nevertheless, uh, the other thing I really love about next year is seeing George, Alex, and Lando all back together again because you know, they all came they, they they all came up together and they seem to be like genuinely close and good friends. And yeah. uh, oh my goodness, it, it's going to be funny seeing all them together. I again. like this very much that the the younger generation of Formula One drivers. Um, they seem to have a camaraderie, which yeah, yeah, doesn't necessarily seem like it's been that way. Um, I mean, I think this is just younger people tend to just be nicer to each other mm-hmm. than people were when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they seem to just all really enjoy each other, and and but also know how to compete with each other. And I think that that is, I think it's something to appreciate. And I and I know that I do. Like I really appreciate seeing them all together and the way that they seem to interact, it 
it warms my heart, you know, like I think that they seem like a great group. Like there's been a lot of stuff shared on especially the Formula One, like Instagram stories and stuff at the last week of just like fun moments of them all because obviously mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. Alex and George have had a pretty big week. So it's been nice to see that kind of kind of all coming together. And also as well, like it seemed like Max was actually a part of that like group, but he is now in a very different position to them. I mean, because I mean, he is clearly well, I don't know about George, but like the yeah, other, like Max has shown himself so far to be the best, right? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna win the season. I don't like to think about it, but I'm I'm pretty confident he that he's gonna win the season. I think he might. I really, and it's so tough too, because I actually really have zero love for Max as a person and he's a very talented driver, but I don't, he's, he strikes me as like a real big jerk. So him and Christian are perfect fit for each other, mm-hmm. but, um, but I don't know. I, I'd like to see somebody other than Lewis win. And since I've been paying attention, which has only been a couple of years, I will be the first to tell you, but since I've been paying attention, it's all Lewis all the time. And, mm-hmm. and this year it's been not all Lewis all the time. And I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Sorry, bud. I'm not trying to make excuses, but I really think covid messed him up i i would buy that like there was do you remember that race where like he just looked real bad afterwards Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i i think that i think it's been a couple it's been a combination of things for sure like red bull have had the edge on them car wise this year like the car has been significantly better like that they seem to have proven that but I, i think that for at least for some of the season he has not been able to operate at his best and the car has not been um uh, as 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 well performing as previous, so like I think that there's there's been a lot going on, while at the same time Max really kind of showing what he is good at in yeah. a car that can finally show that off, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's been I think there's been an, it's I don't think there's just one factor this year. I think there are a lot of factors at play. Uh, personally, I cannot wait to see to see what George can do to Lewis, like. I can't wait to see what happens, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. is he going to put him under pressure? How much? How will that change Lewis's approach? Like, all of that stuff is part of what I'm so excited for next season for because, you know, I think we saw when, uh, was it Baku that George raced at last year in the Mercedes and should have won it, but of. Mercedes pit yep. crew messed up twice on him? Yeah, I know what you're thinking of, and I don't remember which which race it was. You know, like, we've seen the skill that he has when he has the right machine under him. I mean, and even this year, when he doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Like, George mm-hmm. has shown the skill he has even when he has not the right car under him, right? So, like, I'm really intrigued to see, like... That I think that there's a possibility that, that you never like you know you never know. I I also honestly think this for Lando too. Like between the two of them, I think you have another well, great like yeah yeah. One of those two, I think, is going to be able to show themselves at some point to be considered in the conversations of greatest of all time. I think you I think you're probably right, and and I'm looking forward to to seeing how next year goes. I feel like we should at least briefly touch on the last two races as we record. Uh, the Belgian Grand Prix, which was something, <laughs> it was something. I watched the entire thing. I was in and out. I had watched a lot of it, particularly the beginning, mm-hmm. and I was in and out. I missed most of the end, especially since it was like four seconds. Um, but yeah, what a mess, man! What an absolute mess. Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't a race. That was that was the yeah. thing. Like they just basically did the bare minimum uh, possible to call it a technical race. It was effectively like wherever anybody qualified was their final position, which is how George got 
second place because he qualified second, which was amazing. That was an incredible achievement on his own. And then he got rewarded with a trophy, <laughs> which is kind of great. <laughs> like it's kind of the, the kind of a perfect uh, uh, cherry uh, on the cake for him this year, I think. Yep. Yeah, it was a mess though because it was raining. You know, buckets and they. The rain was it, yeah. The, the issue was the rain. It was it was unsafe to drive for sure. It really was, and you would look at at you know these people driving. Anyone who wasn't the race leader was ab- utterly blind, and so they would they raced. I think they did like an outlap or something like that. I don't remember the details. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But they did like a lap or two. Then they called it, red flagged it for a while, and they kept saying, "Oh, I think the rain's going to clear. I think the rain's going to clear. I think the rain's going to clear." Well, spoiler alert: they never actually raced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was all on the safety car. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So they went back out for like a second lap or something like that, I believe. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe it was they did the out lap and then they did like one safety lap and then they called did it a day. They two more laps behind the safety car after that. Yeah. Like, so they, when they're behind the safety car, in case you don't know what that means, it just means they're not they're not racing. They're just keeping in a formation um, and just going around the track in formation. So. Yeah, there was a mess. Um, but that being said, the Dutch Grand Prix... That looked like it was a heck of a scene. <laughs> My goodness, that w- that looked bananas. And yeah, all the commentators, all the commentators kept saying how loud the crowd was. It just looked like a genuinely fun time. And to have their hometown hero Max Verstappen, for better or worse, you know, win the race, um, the, it seemed like it was an absolute madhouse. This was one of those things that I feel quite frequently with Max, where uh, I desperately wanted him to uh, be beaten or not win the race or something happen. Um, but when he won, I felt good for him. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand and that's that. kind of how I always am. Like the whole race, I'm hoping that uh, he loses places. I'm hoping that Lewis is going to beat him. Right? This is how I feel every week. This is me, but with Lewis. When he excels, I'm like, good work, Max. And that's how I'm going to feel. Like I don't want him to win the season. But when he does, or if he does, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to feel good for him because I know it's going to mean something to him. And yeah. I think that just from a um, sporting perspective, he deserves it. I think that's fair. Because he's good. Yep. He's a good driver. He deserves yep. it. So, yeah, it's been an interesting, silly season, an interesting couple of races. And uh, and we're coming to America somewhat soon, I think, because uh, we got Miami October. and Austin, I believe. No, isn't Miami next year? I don't think Miami Oh, is it is next year? year? My bad. I forget yeah. exactly when it is. But we're coming to America one way or the other. Uh, I think it's in October. Is that what you just said? Yes, October's Austin. There you go. You're right. Miami is next year, unless they slot it in for late November because something was it Japan that dropped out last minute. I don't think the track is built, Casey. Oh, you're right. I don't think it is built. Never mind. They're building well, it. So I got very May excited. Okay. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, they reduced the season by one race. All right. Well, you know what else is awesome other than F1? Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. They have absolutely everything that you're going to need. Squarespace combine cutting-edge design and world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. From websites and online stores to marketing tools, SEO tools, email marketing tools, analytics, everything, they've got you covered. Squarespace has free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed like a 24-7 customer support team. With Squarespace, you don't have to install anything, patch anything, or upgrade anything. It's just easy. You start with a professionally designed, beautiful template, which is super modern and allows you to build everything with drag and drop tools to make it your own. You customize the look, the feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for every type of device, so it's going to look fantastic everywhere. 
they uh, can let you grab a domain name if you want to for your great site. It's all easy to do with Squarespace. And you can do everything that you would ever want to do online. You can take your idea and give it a home. You can showcase your art with one of their portfolio designs. You can publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so, so much more. Go to squarespace.com slash analog and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code analog and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash analog. And then when you sign up, use the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. What are your recommendations for this month? Well, you want me to go first? I certainly can. Um, mm-hmm. I have a trio, and I'm going to try to make all of them quick. Uh, first of all, on Netflix, Untold, colon, Crime and Penalties. So you might remember, um, I think we've talked about this, either the story itself or the blog posts that have come from it. Um, many, many years ago, uh, a family friend of ours was at our house. And when I say that, I mean his Ferrari was at our house. And this was moments, like literally three weeks after I'd gotten my driving license. And, um, and I said, oh man, you know, Hey, Mr. Glanny, nice car. And he was like, Hey, you want to go for a spin? I was like, yeah. And so he took me out on this road near my parents' house It's basically a big straight road. And he got to one end of it, the far end of it. And he said, okay, your turn and jumps out. And so, um, he had me drive the three or whatever miles home. And it was amazing. Um, he was always really nice to my family, always seemed like a decent enough fellow. Well, it turns out he was uh, deeply involved with mafia. He, uh, we knew he owned a garbage company. Um, and there's an entire, <laughs> this is so good compared to, like we had the Sopranos last time they were in waste management, you know? Mm-hmm. No, actually Incredible. there is there. So if you watch untold colon crime and penalties, which is on Netflix, they make the assertion, which I don't think is true personally, but they make the assertion that Tony Soprano is based off this guy. That was a family hmm. friend of ours. I, again, right. I don't think that's true. I really don't. But that they make the assertion during the um during the documentary. But anyway, when what's I was this, what's the guy's name? James or Jimmy Galante, G A L A N T E. He has a Wikipedia page and all that, John. He was always nice to my family, always nice to me, always nice to, to my brothers. But um, th- th- he was certainly an Italian guy who was involved with the mafia in and tried to muscle people out of waste management in Western Connecticut and Eastern New York or Southeastern New York. Anyway, so um, he, when I was in college and he, he bought his then 17-year-old son, or he bought a, a minor league hockey team for himself, I guess, and then put his 17-year-old son in charge of it. And this, this kid is my middle brother's age. And you know they knew each other, of course. And so he suddenly became a 17-year-old hockey manager. And uh, this like hour and a half documentary is the story of the family and, and specifically the team that they built, which was remarkable in several ways. Um, and so it's fascinating. It's particularly fascinating to see somebody that, you know, on television, like featured as the star of a documentary. Like I didn't know him. I didn't know Jimmy particularly well, but I knew him uh, and I and I knew the kids better. And it's just wild to see all this and like to see the their kitchen that I stood stood in many, many, many times. It's That's just weird. weird. It's super weird. Um and so anyway, so it's an hour and a half documentary about Jimmy Galani and and the and AJ Galani, his son and, and the hockey team that they briefly built in Danbury, Connecticut. And uh, if you look in the background, a lot of times you'll see banners and occasionally they make mention of, uh, I don't think they make mention of it until late in the documentary, but they make mention of New Fairfield when 
And that doesn't sound like anything to anyone, but New Fairfield, Connecticut is a little teeny tiny town. And that's where I went to school. That's where I you know, went to high school. That's where I grew up to some degree. And like nobody on the planet has heard of it except the, the people that live in the six towns that border it. So to see New Fairfield on a documentary is also super freaking weird. But um, this, this again, if this rings a bell, it's because of the, the well, I wrote a blog post about the story forgot I wrote it. And then three years later, wrote the same blog post again from new. And I just left them both up because I thought it was funny. <laughs> you you should have said to yourself, hey, do you not read my blog? Yeah, I know. Exactly right. Exactly. I think I've made exactly this joke right. to you before. Actually. And I think as you soon did, as I said still, that, I recognized it. Nevertheless, it is funny. And I left them up to make fun of myself. And so I will put links to the two blog posts in the show notes. Um, they they should tell approximately the same story in approximately the same way. I never read them back to back, to be honest with you. But uh, nevertheless, who would have thought that you were connected? Yeah, I know it's it's wild, right? But uh, here we are. And then uh, two very very quick ones: uh, Tiny Desk Home Concerts or Tiny Desk Concerts, uh, which are doing at home or in studios now, like not in front of all these people at NPR. Uh, two of them that I think are really great. Uh, the first, uh, Haley Williams of Paramore fame did an, an incredible solo. Well, not solo as in just her, but solo as in not Paramore, uh, tiny desk a few months ago, I think that is really good. It's not Paramore style music. It's more funky, which I really like. I, I enjoy Paramore too, but I, I think this is extremely good. Uh, it's based off of an album that she released, I think a year or so ago, a solo album that she released. And then, uh, a friend of mine, Brian Guffey, who, you know, Mike, um, they recommended to me a a tiny desk that just came out yesterday and I watched it this morning and then I immediately watched it a second time because I thought it was so good. It's an artist called Yeba, um, who is a solo artist, uh, a singer predominantly uh, based out of Tennessee, I think. I might have that wrong. This is all new to me as of you know three hours ago. But uh, that performance is also extremely, extremely good. So tiny desk in general, but these two, Haley Williams and Yeba both are very good and worth checking out. They're from Memphis. There it is. Okay. Uh, I had it right. So uh, I spoke about The Sopranos last time, um, which is a show I love. Uh, Casey is intimately familiar with that real life because he's connected to the mob. Um, (laughs) And uh, I found that there is a Sopranos rewatch show called Talking Sopranos, which is hosted by two of the um, actors in the show. Uh, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa, who play Christopher and Bobby. And it's pretty good. Like, West Wing Weekly, it's not, right? Like, West Wing Weekly was a very special thing, right? And But what I like about this show, like, I'm up to, like, episode eight uh, of the podcast. The audio is so bad. Um, oh, no. Like, it, 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 but it's, like, doable, right? But it's... Not good. Uh, their spon- like their whole show is sponsored by Bose, so I think like they are just recording through their headphones, like the mics oh, in their headphones, no. or like just straight into their laptops. Yeah, like this is yeah. it. Kind of feels like I was expecting that this was going to be like connected to some like huge podcast network or whatever, but it seems like they are mostly doing it on their own. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of cool with it. Like they started during like the beginning of COVID, right? I think that was why they ended up doing it because they they did a um. The two of them have done for years, like a tour, you know, so you would go and like an evening with kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, so you would go and they would tell stories about the Sopranos and they would do a Q&A. And so they effectively just turned it into a podcast. I got you. And, you know, it, it does exactly what I liked about the West Wing Weekly, which is these are two people that were a part of an incredibly important TV show to me talking about what it was like to make it. And 
you know, I think that it is maybe, it's just very different in tone. It's very, very different in tone. But I like it, like, because I'm getting what I want out of it. They're talking about the process of making the show. They're talking about the history of it. Uh, and, and I think if you like The Sopranos, I think I would probably call this required listening, like give it a few episodes because I'm already finding out like the same, like all these little things about the people that made the show, um, all these little tidbits, like can just like interesting pieces of information, different ways to look at the stuff that was going on. Uh, so I'm, I'm into it big time. It's talking Sopranos and related parks and recollection. Oh, that's so, very good. <laughs> so GD excited for this. Alan Yang and Rob Lowe doing oh, an episode by good. episode recap podcast of Parks and Recreation. It starts September 14th, but you can subscribe to it now. Alan Yang was a writer and producer on the show and played like the bassist of Mouse Rat. Um, but Alan Yang was also part responsible for Masters of None. I'm familiar with this, but I have not seen it. So that's just like another great show. So, but yeah, I'm super excited about this. Like, obviously, uh, look, rewatch podcasts are great. You know, like we have many friends that make rewatch podcasts. The rewatch podcast market has changed significantly now because the people <laughs> making the shows do them. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hearing my friends talk about the shows that they enjoy, right? Like, it's good fun. Like, I like listening to Football is Life and stuff. But for me, like I really do want on the shows that I love the most, I want to know the background. I sure, want to sure. know and hear from the actors, like, what was this episode like for you? And of course, because it's got Alan Yang and Rob Lowe on it, they're going to talk to everyone. And mm -hmm. it's going to be really interesting too, right? Like, I loved, I loved West Wing Weekly, but the dynamic of that is one person was a super fan of the show and one person was on the show, but they were only on the show from the fourth season. But it's still really mm -hmm. great and amazing and fantastic. And in Talking Sopranos is two people that were on basically the entire show. So Michael Imperioli is from, on it from the beginning. Steve Schripper joins in the second season. And then this one is, again, it's a slightly different dynamic, but I'm really interested about it. Alan Yang, who was a writer and producer there the whole time. And then Rob Lowe, who joined in the second season. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm just really excited about it. I can't wait. It starts on the 14th. I'm super into it. And just the name alone is just... The name is so good. Chef's Kiss kind of good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love these kinds of podcasts. I'm just happy that they exist. Uh, I, I like this kind of stuff more for me, like when it's independent of the show's creation. Like I know a lot of, pod, a lot of shows have like related podcasts. Uh, but I want to hear more, like, and so I like them when it's like, like it's not happening while the show's happening, kind of thing. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. like there to be some time, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, like there, are, there's like a Mythic Quest uh, uh, podcast, which is a great idea, and it's hosted. It seems somewhat independently by the host of the show, but I feel like you've got to let these things marinate for a little while yeah especially if it's the creators of the show or like people involved in the show like i want them to have distance from the show so they can look back on it and reminisce and kind of and stuff like that so so yeah i'm I'm super into it and just like you know we finished the sopranos uh since the time we last spoke it's my favorite tv show of all time oh yeah yeah I mean, look, for me, it changes. I do have a recency thing. But, like, I've seen The Sopranos in four or three times now. And genuinely, for me, there is not a bad episode in that TV show. And all of my favorite TV shows, I can point to an episode and be like, I don't enjoy this one so much. The Sopranos yeah, yeah. does not have that for me. Every single episode is a winner. Hmm. I guess I should try it sometime, huh? 
Oh, it's just so good. <laughs> like, it's not going to be for everyone, right? No content is. Um, but I just think that it is. It's truly astounding how good that television show is to me. Like, really, yeah. it's just so good. I got you. It's very different as well. Like, just you know, like the the, the with the West Wing and like with the West Wing Weekly, right? Everybody's always talking about like, they all talk about Aaron Sorkin, like this one vision and everything went through him and it's incredible. And then the creator of The Sopranos, David Chase, the actors seem to really respect him, but don't seem to talk about him in the same way that the actors talk about Aaron Sorkin. Like Aaron Sorkin is like a Mm -hmm. god to these people. And David Chase is just like really good at what he did and was super meticulous. But like, it's, it's just interesting to hear. I like hearing actors talk about stuff like this. Like who do they like to work with, you know, and like what other actors do they think really are excellent and what directors really work for them. And like, I like hearing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I need to give this a shot. The only, the only similar thing I think I've ever paid attention to was the um watchman podcast that was airing roughly in time with mm-hmm. with the series a couple of years ago and it was good but it didn't like knock my socks off or anything like that and i and i think you're right like having it marinate for a little while probably would help quite a bit and also like that was that podcast was made by hbo yeah 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 right so like i like them when they're a bit independent from the creation of the show too because they can talk freely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know yeah i hear that 